Well, hi, friends, and welcome to Consortio Day, a podcast about partnering with God to do sacred work. My name is John Chandler, and I'm a spiritual director, and my practice is focused on walking alongside individuals and teams who do sacred work to cultivate spiritual practices, soul care, and relational support. So this podcast is kind of a companion to my spiritual direction practice because I'm really interested in talking to people who I think are doing great work in some capacity of spiritual leadership or some kind of spiritual creative work or anything like that to understand like what are their rhythms? How do they sustain um, the work that they do in terms of uh, being partnered with God in the work that they do? And so I often interview pastors, I interview leaders in nonprofits, I interview authors, I interview professors to explore more about that kind of thing with them. So I'm glad you're here to join with me today. My guest today is Dan Henry. And this is a fun one for me because when I was thinking about spiritual direction, I applied to be a part of a training program called Sustainable Faith. And Dan was kind of my application interview to make sure that I would be a good fit for being part of that program. And I knew after that hour talking with him that, first of all, if this is what being a spiritual director is like, I wanted to be like this guy. And also, if there was an opportunity for me to learn spiritual direction from this guy, that this is a guy I wanted to learn from. And both those things came true. And Dan was one of the uh, co-leaders of the cohort that I was in. And it, it was just a gift to get to know him and a gift to share him with you in this interview today. So, I'm glad you'll be able to hear more from him. And I think you can surmise right now that his um, vocation, so to speak, is that he is a spiritual director and also a trainer of other spiritual directors. And uh, I can attest to one that he does very well as a trainer, but I bet he does very well as a spiritual director, too. A couple other notes before we get into today's interview. I am currently... Uh, scoping out the formation cohorts that I'm going to be doing in the winter of 2023. And I am planning on repeating practicing examine, which is the cohort I'm doing right now and really enjoying walking through with some people. And it's also looking like uh, there's a few on the table right now for a, a second cohort, but I'm also considering most likely doing a cohort called practicing Sabbath and just getting a group of people alongside one another who are trying to understand how can they best factor rest and recreation back into their own rhythms. And so if you're interested in either of those or any of my upcoming cohorts, you can go to formationcohorts.com. And that just links directly to a page on my website where you can sign up to be on the interest list. And like I say, I expect sometime maybe in late December or maybe early January, I will be opening up registration for that next batch of cohorts for the winter of 2023. So thanks so much for your interest in that. Uh, one final note, I would be really grateful if you could help spread the word about this podcast. If you find it helpful, you can um, do reviews on your podcast app of choice, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or uh, even the Google Podcast Store. And of course, uh, alongside that, even if you're willing to spread it along to others via email or even social media, whichever social media platforms might still be around. By the time we listen to this, who knows? So here we are with Dan Henry. Thanks for listening. Dan, it is it is good to sit with you. It's good to see your face. Um, for those who don't know, um, I invited Dan because Dan taught me how to do spiritual direction, along with many peers and another co-teacher. But um, So I knew it'd be fun to have you here. So even though I just did a very mild introduction of you, 
why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Tell us about the sacred work that you do. Oh, yeah. It's good to be with you too, John. We we had a good journey together in our own cohort and it's so much fun to be here with you. And um, I'd like to think that maybe our little conversation today will, will somehow just open things up even more for you and the people you're you're serving. So thanks for having me. Yeah, regarding the 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 sacred work I do. I like that terminology. Um, I um, well, just a quick recap of my life up to a couple of years ago. I was a pastor and did all kinds of uh, things in the corporate world and whatnot for years. But anyway, I've been doing direction since about 2010, 2011. But I was also a pastor during much of that time. But. Hmm. Uh, at the from the start of 2016 on, I've just been doing spiritual direction, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, in um, teaching other people, you know, the this uh, this ministry of spiritual direction, which is how we met, obviously. Yeah. Um, so the nature of my work is very much centered around spiritual direction. Uh, so for me, it's. Yes, it's it's the work that I do, but it's kind of it sounds kind of corny. It's almost a lifestyle as well. Yeah. And by that, what I mean, I, th- I think that the the work of spiritual direction is in in essence slowing down a little bit, getting a little bit quieter, um, so that we can notice. Um, we can notice the, the fabric of our lives. We can notice what's coming and going. We can notice how um, we are engaged with other people. And most importantly, um, to, to quote our, our friend Dave Nixon, we're kind of dusting for God's fingerprints. So I that's really the essence of what I do is try how I, I'm trying to live. Yeah. And then uh, sitting with other people in uh, generally one hour increments of, of conversation about once a month for most people and just exploring what does it look like for this other person to discover their own way of uh, walking with God, uh, their own way of becoming more who God has called them to be and envisioned them to be and really um Letting them do the work, but again, me just kind of trying to set the table, hold that space, you know, pick your euphemism, but just yeah, sitting, yeah. noticing together with them, asking some questions, hopefully noticing some things that are pertinent and helpful, and uh, oh, and things that are <laughs> maybe impertinent and unhelpful. <laughs> sure, uh, from also. time to time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's it's yeah, it's just a, a real joy. Uh, so I see myself as doing work that's uh, in some ways maybe around the fringe or the edge of the institutional church. Yeah. Um, but maybe giving people time and space to do a little bit deeper dive into their own journey with God that is very personal, um, hopefully deep and uh, experiential. And I don't know if I'm rambling at this point or not, but so <laughs> that's I good. It's that. all good. And, uh, and, I, and I meet right now. I'm I'm, I'm meeting. I think it's going to be about thirty three people a month, which is 
that's quite a bit for a director, but yeah, that works. And then teaching uh, cohorts, uh, training other people in the, the art of this deep listening we call spiritual direction. Um, so that, that pretty much fills up my calendar sure, as much yeah. as I care for it to be filled because I still got to rake leaves and take the dog on walks right. and do all that other stuff. So yeah. it's all sacred, but I'm really, really, really fortunate that I get to do this kind of work yeah. at this point in my life, John. Yeah. It, it's interesting you talk about how, I, I don't remember what language you used, but how you know, you see the work as you, you do as kind of being on the fringe of the church, so to speak. Um, I, I think of, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard me say this. I've probably said it on the podcast too many times, but, you know, we literally live at the edge of the desert where, you know, there, there's a big desert mountain park, right? You know, half mile that way, they're the direction I'm looking that only you can see. And that kind of feels like the metaphor for, what I'm doing in this season of life and what you just described is it's kind of inviting people to the edge of all the hustle. Just, just take a couple minutes. Like we're right on the edge. It's not sure. Things are really um, wild and untamed over there, but it at least is on the edge and gets you a little perspective from the chaos of day-to-day life. And that's kind of, I feel like when I'm inviting people into spiritual direction, I'm inviting people also into this space where I live of, step away to the edge of all of this, you know, just to get a little perspective and then you can go back. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. Now I love the desert metaphor and seems like that might pop up a few times in our scriptures too. So I think it does. I yeah. think we're onto something here. But yeah, I was just, I just did direction with this, uh, this, this man that I, I we've been meeting for several years now. I'm just, just talking about, the 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 power of the desert, the power of that metaphor, yeah, uh, as being a place to maybe disconnect from the speed and noise of twenty first century life, yeah, and 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 retreat, not in a passive way, in a very intentional way, and we were just talking about and he brought it up how like yeah when Paul had his Emmaus Road uh, encounter with Christ. He didn't jump right into ministry. He retreated. It's like, yeah, I, um, yeah, I yeah, can't remember yeah. what it was, 14 years, whatever. He just went and sewed canvas and explored uh, off the beaten path, explored this new uh, experience of Christ. And and we don't, it's so tantalizing, we don't even really know what Jesus did out in the desert. We just know that he went out there a lot. And I, I can imagine even as, as a youth, you know, his parents and family, maybe down at the shops, like, where's Jesus? Oh, yeah. And he's out in the desert again. He's out there all <laughs> wandering around. He knows what he's doing. But there's, there is something. It is desolate and empty, but in the emptiness is the fullness of God. So it's, it's almost paradoxical. Yeah. Love it. How, how did you find spiritual direction? Like, what, what brought you to this? As a directee and ultimately as a director. Yeah, great question. Um, well, I I was on staff at a, a, a mega church here in Cincinnati for a total of fourteen years. But um, one thing that I noticed, this is kind of how it unfolded for me. I had um, a number of younger men coming to me fairly regularly, saying, "Hey, would you disciple me?" and 
Yeah. Yeah, sure. And it really wasn't part of my official job role or description, but I'm not going to say no to that. And I have never been officially discipled in terms of, you know, what the church, how the church would usually uh, define that. Yeah. Um, Discipling happened, but I had never been part of an official discipling kind of relationship, being mentored spiritually. Uh, So I was drawn to that and I didn't really know even how to go about it. So I got a book, a discipleship kind of workbook, and just started working through it with a couple guys here and there. And, um, you know, and uh, had a couple different iterations, but kind of the same uh, systematic approach. Well, we're going to work our way through these important scriptures and how they connect to aspects of growth that, that God wants us to experience. And that's all well and good. I mean, it's important. But what I found as we're going through it is like, well, these guys already know the Bible, Hmm. right? They already kind of have done things like this. What they were looking for was something different, maybe a little more personal, a little more connecting to their real daily lives. So um, I didn't really know exactly how to approach that. I mean, I was happy to share because I was older. I could share some things that I sure, learned sure. Uh, through failure and hard knocks along the way. And that was helpful too. But yeah, I was praying about what, how do I do this? What, what's missing here? And I happened to come across, a, a, I think it was an essay by Eugene Peterson online. And maybe it was an excerpt from one of his books. I don't remember but it was on spiritual direction. Hmm. And I read through this. It was about a page or two and just talking about what spiritual direction is and how it can benefit people. And I was just instantly intrigued. Yeah. So I found a book on spiritual direction. And I weren't, this is like 2000, gosh, I don't know, 4,005, I don't know, quite a while ago. There weren't all that many books, at least in the Protestant slash evangelical bookstores at the time, but I found a book, read through it, and I thought, oh, man, this is the stuff. So I I had just enough understanding of it to be really dangerous. So I I talked to the the guys I was meeting with, and it was all one-on-one, not in groups. And I said, hey, here's, here's a different way of having these conversations I would like to try if you're up for it, if this sounds good to you. So I started kind of dipping my toe in the spiritual direction waters, not really having a lot of knowledge or depth, no experience in it, um, other than being able to sit with somebody, loving that person, kind of holding a hospitable space with them and trying to listen well. So, and that's really the heart of what direction is anyway. So I started doing that, and um, I saw just kind of an, an immediate surge of energy, if you will, an uptick in enthusiasm and practicality and good fruit. I thought, man, so I did that for a while with these guys out there. I thought there's something here, whatever this is, I got to find more. So started doing a a little search here and there, and I found the um, Sustainable Faith School of Spiritual Direction that was Mm -hmm. just down the road a few miles in Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati, or closer to downtown. And uh, so I read their website, and I thought, this looks really, really good. I really need to do this. And I promptly just kind of filed it away in my memory banks and didn't do anything about it. But so 
over the course of a couple of years, John, that that kept coming up to my attention. You know how God sometimes is sure, sure, kind of like a mosquito buzzing around your ear, and you kind of hear it, and then you kind of swat it away, like yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whatever until it bites you. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I got I got bit, but I kept getting reminded about spiritual direction. And the, the founder and director was a guy named Dave Nixon. He started it. And I thought, yeah, I got to I got to meet that guy. Uh, I got to invite him to coffee sometime and, and pick his brain and see if this is something for me. I knew from the get go I was going to do this. But, you know, I'm really, really good at procrastination. <laughs> and I was I was doing a lot of ministry, you know, full time. this past Sure. And I kept saying, being reminded, you know, the mosquito buzzing the ear and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to do that. And um, but I, I didn't. So a couple of years went by and then um, our, our senior pastor, Dave Workman, one time insisted the whole staff get on a couple of buses and we drive up to Columbus for a regional uh, pastors conference of the group we were a part of. So I went up there and I was already getting a bit jaded on the typical church conferences, pastoral conferences and yeah. MNRs. I kind of, it just sounds jaded. I, maybe I was, but gosh, I'm just getting kind of tired of all this leadership stuff and all this, how to grow your church to a million people in five easy steps. So I really didn't have a very good attitude getting on the bus. I really didn't want to go. Right. I would rather just found a, uh, a quiet space. And just it sounds like and, it sounds like your mentality was already on the fringe of the church. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, definitely a little fringy there. So I will confess my attitude was not really good. So yeah. we're on the bus, but the 90 minute drive up to Columbus from Cincinnati, I'm leafing through the little agenda for all the workshops and breakouts and plenary sessions and all that stuff. And really just none of it interested me. Yeah. Then I saw there was one breakout with uh, the spiritual direction in the church featuring Dave Nixon. Like, oh, no. Oh, okay, God, you got me. All right. I've been mosquito bit me now. There's no way out. I'm going up there for the whole day, and I'm going to go meet Dave Nixon. So I went and I sat through Dave's presentation, maybe an hour long. And, man, I was just – I was hooked. I was just hooked. Now, this – Okay, there. Th- I have got to do this. So went up to at the end, talked to Dave for a while, uh, booked a lunch with him. We met, and you know, long story, probably longer than it should be. Ended up connecting with Dave. Ended up getting into the the year one trading cohort in I think it was two thousand ten, and just started bringing the practices and dynamics of spiritual direction into everything I did right away Hmm. uh, in how I pastored, how I listened to people, uh, how I might counsel somebody, how I might train small group leaders, uh, and even better, how I might listen to my wife more deeply. Uh, My children were quickly growing up. It it just had just this immediate um, beautiful uh, process, I guess I could call it, of filtering through just my way of being Dan, uh, not just my way of being a pastor. And so I was hooked from then on, just started doing spiritual direction right away. I haven't stopped 
Um, well, that's probably way more of an answer than you wanted. But no, maybe. but I mean, it, it's 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 common for me even when I meet with new directees that you know to to hear from them even if I don't ask like how did you come to be interested in spiritual direction and for for how many people didn't even hear about it until recently and then it immediately intrigues them or immediately captures their attention so knowing you know you knowing you describe how far along you were in life and my story is similar but how far along in life you were before you even heard of it and then finding yeah. resonance with it so quickly yeah. so yeah right. I think I just called you seasoned, ah. wise and seasoned in life. <laughs> <laughs> Grizzled, wise, I'll take any of it. Yeah, <laughs> seasoned. That sounds that sounds really really good. And and it's not to um, diss the church. Um, it, it sounds like it, but there is there is value and growth to be found in the way we typically do church. I, I wouldn't dispute that. Right. But I was also becoming a little disenchanted with all our our heroic efforts to kind of create a mass producing type of discipleship. Yeah, and I mean that's all. That's what a church has to do. I mean, their pastors don't have time to sit down and do this with everybody. Sure, even if they have the training. And I've trained many pastors. Yeah, but there's something that you get in the spiritual direction space that you are not going to get in a, a corporate meeting where you're kind of looking at the back of the people's heads in front of you, right? Where you're there, you're totally in recipient mode and that's appropriate and that has its place. But in direction now, you really, there's nowhere to hide. It's really about you and being willing to open up, uh, your own understanding of how you're relating to God, how you're responding to God, how God seems present or absent, your frustrations yeah. with God, um, yeah. your fears, all, all those deep things that you're probably not going to be able to talk about those even in a great small group. Maybe uh, if you're lucky, you're going to be a, a really safe group where people will listen and not try to fix you because we just need to talk about a lot of this stuff we keep inside. And yes. just in the saying it out loud, there can be so much power and healing and, and uh, awareness and realization yeah. Yeah. that comes. Just saying it out loud. Yeah. Even validation, right? That, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. To, to name it and, and have it acknowledged and, you know, brought before God. Yeah. I, I'm curious because you said earlier, um, I think you said it's spiritual direction for you is basically a lifestyle. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that was the term you used, or way of life, or something yeah. like that. Which, I mean, my understanding of that would be because the work that you do requires an attentiveness to the spirit on behalf of others. Mm -hmm. It's like the rest of your life is cultivating that attentiveness to the spirit. And so, yeah. I'd love to hear what that looks like for you. Like, what are your rhythms yeah. from day to day or week to week to yeah. cultivate that? Well, you're you're. You're getting, yeah, th this is just a, a, a non-negotiable kind of hinge point for a spiritual director, I, at least the way I have to do it. I, I know, and again, this sounds a little jaded and cynical, but in many ways, um, in some of my pastoral uh, duties, you know, obligations, whatever, I keep, 
Sounds awful. I could kind of phone that in after doing it for so many years. I'm not saying that's right or right. good. Right. But and and maybe there's even some validity in that because some days you, you just gotta show up and you do the thing, even if you don't feel like it. That's not a bad thing. That's appropriate. But in terms of spiritual direction, why I think of it as a lifestyle, you're, you're right. It's not like I I can live my life a certain way. Uh, without putting these spiritual direction dynamics in place, just ignoring them, and then come into a spiritual direction conversation for an hour and turn it on. Right. It's, right. It's something that you, I think you alluded to there. It's, it kind of needs to be cultivated all the time. So it does become um, a way of, of being me. And yes, there are rhythms and practices that help me do that. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit if you're interested, but, um, I just know that for me to do this work with God, as opposed to doing it for God, it, it's, it's, it may sound like a nuanced difference, but it's, it's a huge difference. So I don't want to show up for a conversation with somebody, um, in a disingenuous or inauthentic way. I want to be ready. Um, I want to come into that conversation knowing I've been attentive. Uh, yeah. I've been attending to my own soul, to how God might be present to me or seemingly absent because that happens as well, but just dealing with, with, with what's real and then coming into that conversation as um, a fellow traveler, a companion, not really a director. I'm sure you've touched on that before in your podcast, but just accompanying people as someone who is like, yeah, I'm in the same trench with you. Sure. We're, we're doing this, this journey together. So, so for me, you want me to get some specific. Yeah, I would love to. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think we're all trying to learn from each other, you know, oh, and learn gosh, what yeah. works for you. So, yeah. Oh, and, and this is one of the most fun parts of spiritual direction is talking about practices. Either the, I learn yeah. from my directees all the time. Hopefully they learn something from me, sure. but we, we compare notes. That's part of it. And just talk about what's working, what's not working. But I've found for me, this kind of the starting about, you know, maybe 30,000 feet. I don't always get this right, but for me kind of setting off a pattern of rhythm starts with the night before. Mm. <laughs> and what that means is I turn my phone off. I, I turn off Netflix, whatever it is. I, I go to bed at a decent time. And I don't force myself to stay awake to either read that next chapter of a book or watch the next episode of whatever streaming thing I'm watching. And I've done that. But for me, it's like Rick being uh, aware enough and slow enough in the evening saying, you know what, I'm going to get in bed and I'm going to go to bed a little earlier, maybe than you know, my enthusiastic nature wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to bed and I'm just going to, I'm not going to watch anything. I'm going to, I'm not going to get on Twitter or any of that stuff. I'm just going to read a good book. And that book, probably not something super technical, might even be a novel. Sure. Uh, spiritual memoir usually works really well for me. And then as I read, when I feel like, yeah, then 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I can go to sleep. I could force myself to stay awake and keep reading. I'm going to go to sleep now. I know this mm -hmm. sounds really obvious, but no, I talk no. to a lot of people, man. This is a 
this is a struggle. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Parents of young kids, right? Finally get to the end of the day. Like, well, this is the only me time I've got. So I'm going to stretch it out. Right. And then you pay for it the next day. So uh, even for someone at my age with all grown kids, everybody's gone, empty nest, all that. I still need to pay attention to that. So it starts with sleep. It's, It's just like a holistic package. Try to sleep well. And then when I wake up in the morning, um, I've gotten in the habit the last few years of not just rolling out of bed or not just grabbing my phone and checking stuff. I have uh, some prayers that I might pray, uh, hmm. just kind of orienting myself for wakefulness, things I'll ask of God before I get out of bed. Um, so that, again, that sounds like discipleship 101, maybe. Maybe other people do this all the time. It's been a fairly recent thing for me. Yeah. So I, I kind of get my mind. I try to orient my heart, my mind, my breath, my body, all of these things. Just, okay, let's, let's get these in alignment. Um, not in a striving sort of way. It's very relaxed, very restful, but it's just not hurrying to get on with the day. So I'll go through a, a few prayers. I'll get out of bed. And this might not sound very spiritual, but I'll, I'll make up a, a, a pour over coffee. That is very spiritual. Oh, thank you. Well, we all know that caffeine <laughs> is the elixir of the gods, right? Um, but the thing about it for me, the, the pour over, um, my wife says, I should just buy you a coffee maker. I'm like, no, 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 I've been there, yeah. done that. This isn't about just getting a quick cup of coffee. This yeah. forces me to start my day slower. And if you've ever done a pour over, you know, it takes at least five minutes. And each each aspect of that, I just try to be fully present to it. I'll uh, like opening up the bag of coffee beans, right? Mm-hmm. They're not the ground yet. Open up, yeah. I smell the beans, just take a nice deep breath. I measure out the beans. I grind them. I smell it again. When I finally get them in the carafe and I, I do the first pour over of hot water, I bend over. I smell. I just take the smell in. So it's all very slow and intentional. Yeah. Um, so it's it's almost not to go all zen on you, but it really is very much chop wood, carry water, <laughs> chop wood, carry water. So what that means is I go slow and I try to be fully present to each moment, whatever's before me in that moment, and I find a sense of peace and divine invitation in those moments and just enjoyment and gratitude. So again, I um, thank God I'm in an enviable position. I don't have to get out of bed, get the kids on the school bus, jump at the car and drive downtown. I, I understand not everybody can do this. I'm really, really blessed. Much of my life was what I just described. But now I'm at a point in my life where I, I can choose the pace of my life. So it is a luxury. I recognize that. But the idea of what, even if it's, um, even if you do have to get up early in the morning, get the kids on the bus, make their lunches, get off to work, all that, finding ways to be fully present to that and not in panic mode, yeah. um, slowing things down however you can and being fully present and realizing Oh, this is a divine moment too. Whatever I'm doing is a spiritual practice. So I guess what I'm saying, John, is uh, the night before when I go to sleep, trying to get a good night's sleep, 
starting my day with intentionality. Maybe that's the takeaway here for folks. Uh, even if you can't do the stuff an old guy like me can do is intentionality and looking for what's unnecessary and just jettison that and what really uh, kind of deflates the, the temptation towards speed and noise and kind of an incoherent busyness. It's just like the zeitgeist, I think, of our, our culture. Uh, at some point, I, and then I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee. And if Tracy, my wife, wants one, I'll make her one. But she really doesn't drink coffee anymore. So we'll just sit in her office while I'll drink my coffee. We'll chat. And then maybe we'll we'll check a few things online, talk about that. But um, that's important to me, too. If it was just me, I would make a beeline down to my cave, my office, my monk cell. And I've done that for many, many years. But over the last couple of years, I feel like the Lord has shifted my practices. Hmm. Um, so they're not so Dan-centric. They're a little bit more present to what's around me. So for me, uh, not that it's a discipline, I love doing it, but it's a really good rhythm. Instead of going right down in my office and praying and meditating, doing all that fun stuff that I love to do, I'm going to go spend some quality time with my wife for half an hour or an hour, right? Sure. Take the dog out. He can do his thing. Then I'll, then I'll go down and I'll, I'll spend uh, a little bit of time. I'm really a big fan of... Uh, you call it breath work. Some people call it, you know, prana yoga, pranayama. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. But I usually have some type of a, a relaxed, slow, deep breathing mm-hmm. that I'll do. A lot of different ways to approach that. Um, and then I'll set my, my, my timer for, depends how much I've got to do. It could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes or more. Um, and I'll just sit and either practice centering prayer. Although for me... Lately, it probably looks just more like meditation, this classic mm-hmm. meditation. But uh, I will sit with the Lord in stillness and silence and use my breath to just uh, stay centered on, on Christ and, uh, and um, kind of not engaging with my thinking mind so much as my heart, my soul. Just uh, Madame uh, Guion wrote a book in the, I think it was the 1500s, called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. And that has formed me for 30 years. But it really is whatever these practices are, whether it's centering prayer or you call it meditation with the breath. For me, this is about letting go of my doing and my thinking and my worrying and all that and just being present with Christ. So I'll I'll do that. You know, let the timer tell me when that's over and then um, maybe do some spiritual reading of some sort, um, something that's feeds my soul and inspires me towards uh, uh, pursuing more depth with the Lord. And and that's kind of it. Those are that, you know, I, I, end, I guess I should say at the end of my stillness and quiet meditation time, uh, I have prayers and maybe some affirmations that I'll remind myself of things that are important to me. And, and that ends that time. And then yeah. it's the rest of the day. I feel like, okay, I've kind of got my GPS pointed to true north now. It's much easier to kind of return to that heading uh, as I go through just the normal busyness of the day. 
So that was a lot of Dan talking. I'm no, that's great. With that, so I'm going to stop now, John. <laughs> well, I mean, when you when you talk about maybe this is just my own interest that I'm couching in other people, but I do something similar in terms of trying to just create some space that is just awareness, breathing, centering, prayer, meditate. You know, you can put different words to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's so challenging about that and interesting about that to me is we really like practical in Western culture, especially we really like practical exercises and do this. This is how you do it. You know, yeah. um, I think that's part of the, why the prayer of examine is still so appealing to me is it's so practical and structured yeah. and all that. Sure. But I, you know, I wonder like if, if someone was to hear you describe what you just described, you know, I, I would love to have that space to clear my mind and just focus on my heart and dwell with mm-hmm. Christ, be present with Christ. Mm-hmm. How would you encourage somebody to get started with that particular practice? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. I'll, I'll throw a caveat out there first. It seems the longer I'm in this line of work, it seems like there is not really a one size fits all for sure. Everybody personality sure. type, every brain type, every whatever that is. Um, having said that, though, I would say if there's a one common denominator, it would be probably this. It would be find a way that works for you, a way to slow down. Uh, if you can, come to a complete stop and just do nothing. Now, everything, your ego is going to resist that <laughs> to the bitter end because yeah. we are so indoctrinated into the Protestant work ethic, being productive, achieving, getting things done. Hey, I got nothing against that. Yo, United States, we put a men on the moon, and that's right. how you do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there's an imbalance here. So anything a person can do to come to a stop and get quiet, even if it's just for two minutes, three minutes, set a timer or something, um, it might look like, I said this only half jokingly to somebody the other day, I think the idea of meditation and centering prayer is is harder for some people than others, right? Some of us, we're just, we're wired in such a way, the Enneagram comes into play here, which is like, well, this is kind of a a native turf for me to be alone, to be quiet, to be still. So for some people, they're they're wired on the other end of the whole energy spectrum. For some people, drawing away into this desert we talked about at the outset here, it might look like just taking a walk, through the woods. I sure. only half joke when I say go out, hug a tree for a minute. You can make sure no one's <laughs> looking, I guess, but go out, hug a tree, put your, your whole body up against the tree, just feel it. And just um, <laughs> maybe your thing is put on a loincloth and run through the woods, yelling like Tarzan. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not it, but it, it could be. Um, here's a good example, maybe that some people can relate to. Um, my dog, Mitch, is now about 14 years old or older, 
has really slowed down even more so mm. than I have. And his joints are kind of creaky. Used to be when I'd take him on a walk, I could barely restrain him. He's a big American bulldog, so strong, powerful. Uh, and I was just always trying to have to slow him down. Now he sets the pace and it is slow, brother. <laughs> it is slow. And so I'll walk. And this is this takes a little bit of intentionality on my part. It's breaking some old habits. I will go at his pace. Yeah. And if he wants to sniff 150 separate blades of grass along the way, then I'm not going to hurry him. If I'm really in the moment, if I'm really being present in a contemplative way, I'm just going to I'm just going to adjust to the beautiful reality of this moment and I'll slow down. I'll walk with him. And this is a big thing, too. And I catch myself from time to time. He's going so slow. And this has taken longer than, quote, it should. I was like, well, I could check my phone. I'll, I'll see if there's an email. Sure. And that's that's like a red alarm bell on the dashboard. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. Chop wood, carry water, walk the dog, let him set the pace. So what I've found, John, is that if I... Just be, allow myself, give myself over to the what's real in that moment. There's such divine presence and beauty. So instead of me, my mind wandering to the first appointment I've got, you know, an hour from now or whatever, I can just kind of enjoy this beautiful creature God's given me to care for. I can watch him sniff. I can watch him look. And uh, I, I, it's kind of hard to explain, and I don't no, have to no, be a dog not. person to get it. But whatever that is, maybe that is putting your, your child on the school bus or making their lunch. I don't know. For me now, it's walking my dog and really being fully present to that experience and not scattered in the past or in the future or what I got to do. And noticing my impatience and saying, oh, there's a point of growth Right here, here, here is a spiritual moment. I'm impatient, and my mind's wandering away from being present. To me, that's a, that's a God invitation. No, Dan, pay attention. Be here. Appreciate this. And when, as I learn to do those kinds of things, John, I'm finding that if I miss a, a morning practice or I don't go to sleep on time or whatever, there's no reason to, you know, uh, mourn or lament mm -hmm. like my day is full of untold opportunities for spiritual practice from beginning to end yeah and it all comes back to cultivating kind of an inner awareness knowing what you're feeling noticing your thoughts observing your thoughts observing the sensations in your body the emotions you're feeling uh, tuning in being aware of what moment you're in and just saying, yeah, I, I can be here because God's here too. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I, I acknowledge your caveat at the beginning about, um, you know, different things work for different people. But, you know, I definitely think there's something to be said for that kind of slowing down, that kind of attentiveness prepares us for the rest of the moments, you know, because the thing that just keeps coming up in – um spiritual formation conversations is just the need to cultivate attentiveness and, and to be intentional. And so if nothing else, that five minutes, that 30 minutes for you, apparently <laughs> uh, of, of 
slowing down, I think kind of helps shape and cultivate the rest of those moments. So that's why it feels like it's valuable regardless of, yeah. and it's going to be more natural and easier for some maybe than others, yeah. but there's something yeah. to be said. Yeah. I, you know, I spent, I'm, I'm moving away here because this, this wasn't on my list of prepared questions, but I spent Uh-oh. hours and hours in our cohort looking at this view that I have right now of your office. And I don't know if these are new or I don't know if I just wasn't very attentive at the time, but you have a lot of plants in your office. Well, And I'm curious about this. <laughs> I have one uh, house plant that's on top of this credenza yeah. or whatever you call that thing there. That's always there. The big ficus tree is yeah. not always there. It okay. comes in in the winter when it starts to oh, freeze at night. Gotcha. And it's, it's getting too big, and I don't know what to do with it. But I don't want to. I don't want to throw it away, or I've tried to give it away. My wife won't let me. So it has <laughs> sentimental value. So, but it's in my office, not in her office. Right. So yeah, it goes out for the warm parts of the year. Comes in for the cold. But hey, you know, like yeah, because it fills half my view right now. Like it. It doesn't look like two plants. It looks like a lot. So. Yeah, I was I was asking because I was curious if there's a just a love for plants or if there's some kind of like intention even behind having plants in your because people don't have plants very often anymore. It's not a very common thing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it. Well, I I do. I've, I've periodically I'll I'll do a little kind of guided breathing meditation with people, um, and part of that meditation is. To become aware, as you use your imagination, this is a very Ignatian, and it incorporates breath too, but thinking about the what we call the divine breath, the ruach, the pneuma, um, God, the spirit being the breath within the breath. We've talked about all this before in cohort. but sure. So in this meditation, we're, we're paying attention to our breath, and we're, we're using it as kind of a touch point, a sacramental way of uh, breathing, to just picture us breathing in this this divine breath, and as we breathe in, what we're breathing in is the the ex what would you call it the outflow of the plants. Yeah, we're imagining we're in this beautiful uh, collaborative creation God's put us in as part of it. I just don't believe. Dominion means find a find a forest and mow it down and right, sell right. everything to IKEA. I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> so we're in this beautiful symbiotic relationship with all of creation and the plants in particular, because as, as we're doing our breath work, our breath praying, well, we're breathing in what the plants give us. And the beauty is that what we're breathing out, we're giving back to them. Yeah. So there's this beautiful uh, call it that circle of life or the divine breath or whatever that, man, who invented that, right? must have been God. That's yeah. pretty cool. Somebody knew what they were doing. Somebody seems to, seems to know what they're doing some of the time. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm aware of the time, but I do, I do have one of my favorite questions that what I, I want to ask you, uh, which is, who do you hope to be in 10 years? Oh, oh boy. You, um... I I thought about this ahead of time. So I'm cheating a bit because this was, that is a ninja spiritual direction question. I've never (laughs) asked anybody. So thank you. I'm going to steal that. 
Uh, I jotted down some notes, and this is all heartfelt. I absolutely mean it. Who do I hope to be in 10 years? I hope to be one who exudes love. One of those saints that become semi-translucent. It's like they're a portal between heaven and earth for others' comfort and encouragement. I hope to be one who needs fewer words to convey divine presence because my actions, my presence, my way of being is just kind of subsumed in God's loving kindness to, to everything. So that would also, on the flip side, be less reactivity of all kinds, whether that's anger or enmity or impatience, less reactivity, um, just to be a peaceful presence in the world, no matter who I'm with or not with. Hmm. So this just not self-contained, but yet a consistent, loving presence that just just full of grace for people. You know, yeah. just, I know you understand this. Sure. We talk about in our cohorts, we use the critical journey book. We talk about stages five and six. So some of this probably relates to that. But I think of my dad. I think of Eugene Peterson. I think of uh, Desmond Tutu. I mean, there, yeah. there are people, hopefully you're fortunate enough to have someone like that in your actual social circles. But you know what? When you rub up against it, it's like, oh, I want to stand next to this person, and I want right. to help osmosis uh, is at work, and I take some of that on. But that's yeah, that's who I want to be, man. Yeah, and it, you know, it's. I know you're older than me. I don't know how much older you are than me, but yeah. but I. Older. <laughs> but what I appreciate about that is, you know, I started noticing over the last ten years. And I think this is, I don't think this is fault with me. I think it's normal. It's just easier to be set in my ways, set in my thinking, yeah. do things the way I want to do them that I'm yeah. comfortable with. And what that leads to is I feel like when I see people who are older than both you and I, for sure, um, often they're very rigid and very defined and, and mm -hmm. set in their thinking and set in their ways. But occasionally, you find someone who's deeply generous in their spirit and in their interactions and, and very open. They're still learning. And mm -hmm. so, I appreciate, appreciate that in that answer you have because yeah. there's, a, there's a pushback. I think we would all experience that rigidity if we weren't attentive to it and pushing back against it. So, I, yes. I appreciate that yeah. answer on your part because that's just – it's not hard work. It's ongoing work, yeah. which, which is hard work, but it's just, you know, the, the day to day of, mm -hmm. of the work that you're doing, I hope is inviting you into that. I, I think you're on your, I think you're on track. I think you're headed that way. <laughs> I think you are too. It's, and that's a, and that's a value for having people, whether it's a spiritual director or, a, or a, a, a loving spouse or a soul friend, Anamkara as they say, somebody who you're on the journey with and, and they can kind of read back to you. Well, here's what I see. Cause we had to get discouraged. We're, we're kind of, our, we all tend to be our own worst critics, right? But to have somebody to say, well, gosh, John, I don't know. I see you as very calm and, and loving and perceptive and humble. And just all those things that we might be afraid to declare about ourselves. We might hope are true, but to have somebody else name those, 
then you feel more free to just really be that person. So yeah. that's part of spiritual direction too. But I'm with you, man. I, I, I at a certain, I think I got probably into my fifties. I'm, I'm in the later last half of my sixties now, but wow. Um, when I started getting a little older, I noticed with some of my peers, some of that inertia or that, gosh, pre-death rigor mortis, spiritual rigor mortis setting in, we're like, wow, they, they're not interested in learning from anybody, especially someone younger than them. Yeah, They're getting a little irritable and impatient and like, well, the good old days this, the good old days that. And, and I, I saw that. I think it was easier to see it in peers than it was in myself, but it, it mm. was, I think it happens and it doesn't have to happen, but I think it requires cultivating an open heart and keep taking some relational risk, getting with people that we might not normally be with. Now, all, all, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast probably, but yeah, buddy, that, that became super important to me. And by contrast, I named a few people that I would watch from a distance, except for my dad up close. I go, yeah, this can be done. You can age and become softer, yeah. and more loving and more gracious. And that's, that's the way I want to uh, progress as I get older. Yeah. Well, Dan, it was a, it was a gift to learn spiritual direction with you. And Owen. Um, Owen's been on the podcast too, but yeah, if, if someone is interested in the work you're doing, if they're interested in spiritual direction with you or maybe sustainable faith, where, where can they go and find some of that? They could just, they, I've got a website. Um, it's, it's a weird one. It's pilgrimheart, one word, dot IO, mm -hmm. not dot com. I think that's like demonic chemtrails on that website. <laughs> or you could just email Dan at pilgrimheart.io. Um, and again, um, yeah, if you're, I, I think in the current church situation we have in North America, you and I both know there are a lot of spiritual refugees who've kind of bowed out of traditional church. They're, they've not given up on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they're kind of wandering out there. Yeah. And I think spiritual direction can be a really safe place for people to maybe rediscover their friendship with God, to um, realize they're not alone. They can do this deconstruction work with somebody who's going to be actually helpful and listen to them and not judge them. And we, we know there's a lot of folks out there that are just kind of, disconnected and they want to be connected. So spiritual direction, whether it's with you or me or Owen or any number of people can be just such a hopeful thing as people transition maybe from a pre COVID whatever version of church to, to what now? And I'm sure you run into this all the time as well, but I, sure. I love having those conversations with people and I would be happy also. I'd be totally uh, enthused about referring people to you, John. So don't please. Don't, <laughs> well, thank you. Anybody who might be listening to this, you, you don't need to find me. You can go right to John and get the same thing. So there you go. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dan. It's yeah. uh, it's really good to hear your thoughts, and I think they'll be helpful for a lot of people. Well, thanks for having me. It was an honor. I hope I didn't talk too much. No, of course not. That's why you're here.